0: Welcome to Take a Walk, a podcast that happens outside, with your host, Vanessa Gritton. Hey, you're listening to Take a Walk Podcast. This is Vanessa Gritton. Uh, you're listening to the podcast where we talk about cool places to see in the world and also the cool shit in your own neighborhoods. And I am real excited for this That neighbor- I almost... Almost nailed that one. Uh, This is my second time in a row botching an intro after doing so well for a little while. (laughs) But we're going to keep trucking on. Because that's what you do when I finally bring back a guest you've all been asking for—the return of Rivers Langley.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Super psyched to have you on now that everything works. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and we're not in a uh, a room made of uh, wood. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> recording in, in the upstairs uh, <laughs> surreptitiously in uh, in Clifton's.
0: In just a small cave of wood that smells of bread. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> for those of you that maybe hopped on a little bit later, Rivers was on our first episode and we talked about uh, Clifton's Cafeteria, and that was back when I had a twinkle in my eye and a song in my heart and I thought it'd be a good idea to record on location. Uh-huh. It wasn't. <laughs> so we retooled. We did about like three or four episodes on location before we finally started doing it in studio, and now you all have the quality that you deserve. Yes. So.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank (laughs) you, Rivers, for being our guinea pig for episode (laughs) one. And also, one of the most talked about episodes because anytime somebody even tries to talk about Clifton's cafeteria or like Clifford himself, Uh people will comment and be like, well, actually, what Rivers said in episode Ah. (laughs) (laughs) one. They have used that as a point of reference, and it's still talked about. So,
1: oh wow, well, I gotta, I gotta top myself. Goddamn, did
0: you come in with the history?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I, I think I've, I think I've outdone myself with this, <laughs> with this one.
0: I see your notes, and I think you did too. And I, I printed <laughs> on both
1: sides too, so this is. Oh uh, my God! This it's is so actually, much
0: more than I thought it was, and there's pictures. Oh, this
1: is actually ten pages.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, do you want to tell us what we're gonna learn about today?
1: Uh, today, we're gonna learn about the history of the largest urban park in America. That is uh, Griffith Park, located in the heart of Los Angeles, California.
0: Uh, I've only been there a few times, but only this year have I, like, scratched the surface as to how insane that park is and the history and that man's history. Yes. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody had been, like, starting to tell me about this on a different, like, episode we did about L.A. murders, and I feel like he's just one of the many eccentric (laughs) L.A. rich men... That hallucinated and like murdered a wife.
1: Yeah, well, he he didn't. uh, We'll we'll get it. He didn't murder his wife. Okay. uh, He just shot her in the face.
0: Oh, she lived. (laughs) She lives.
1: (laughs) and she divorced him and got a bunch of his money. So good on her. (laughs) Small price to pay for an eyeball, Uh, (laughs) but we'll get there.
0: (laughs) We'll get. No, I've been. I've been every every history thing that I read this week has ended in like, and then there was this lady and she was kind of neat, but she was kind of weird and then she died. And There's
1: <laughs> a lot of that in, in, in my research here. Yeah, for various uh, uh, women all throughout the history of this yep. park and this city.
0: So let's jump into it.
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to go in as much chronological order as I yeah. could because the Griffith Park, if you don't live in Los Angeles, uh, is a very, just so you know, it's like a very special place to most Angelinos, just because it is the most... Uh, It's the farthest you can get away from L.A. without Mm -hmm. actually having to leave the city. And it's kind of incredible because it's massive. It is absolutely massive. There's over 50 miles of hiking trails that crisscross through Griffith Park. You can hike up to the top of Mount Hollywood, which overlooks not just the L.A. basin, but you can turn around and overlook the entire San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. Gives you just these stunning views. You can take the Holly Ridge Trail. It'll take you above the Hollywood sign. You can't actually go down to the Hollywood sign for reasons that uh, we'll get into in a minute.
0: favorite of this podcast
1: <laughs> is that right yep yeah the Pegant whistle story oh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah
0: <laughs> we love peg on this podcast. oh cool well,
1: I'll do the I'll do the shorty version of, of our story but uh <laughs> but yeah so if you if you live here it is like the kind of perfect place to to escape and there's also uh the Autry Museum and my friend uh you might know do you know uh, Trevor Hill yeah, yeah. So Trevor Hill, his girlfriend is uh, works at the Autry Museum. Oh. Actually, yeah. So I actually have a have a connection there. So if you've ever if you ever come to LA, one of the museums I recommend the most is the Autry Center, which was donated. Uh, it's it's the collection essentially of the country western singer gene autry Mm -hmm. and when he passed away he collected wild west regalia and and guns and just gave them all to this museum along with a huge
0: remarkable collection it's so
1: cool and you go in and they have you know civil war cannons and they have stage coaches and saddles and they have a whole Mm -hmm. room that's nothing but you know gold and silver plated pistols and things like that so if you're into cowboy stuff you know especially like i always tell people if you've got younger kids especially that's like a Perfect place yeah. to take uh, <laughs> to take younger it's kids. It's a good
0: dad museum too. Hell
1: yeah, yeah. My my dad loved it. That was the one thing he really like. We went to the Getty Center, and my dad <laughs> just was kind of like sitting at the edge of the gallery. I was like, "What's wrong, daddy's like, oh, "It has too many Jesus pictures. I can't <laughs> stand this shit." <laughs> and, my
0: dad has only like two things in Los Angeles, well, three things since he has visited me. Yeah, the Audrey Museum. Uh huh. He liked the tar pits.
1: Oh yeah, because yeah.
0: it's it's real naturey and interesting, and yeah. you can learn something about it he was real disappointed by grand central for like a huge second. Cause he was like, where are all the chickens and vegetables? Because he was from the era in, cause he lived here. Oh a long time. yeah. So yeah. he was there before they were all restaurants, but then he oh, like tried yeah, the restaurant. So he like digs it now, but he was like real mad when he walked in for oh. a second. <laughs>
1: that's, that's funny. But, but yeah, uh, Autry
0: is a good dad museum.
1: That's great. Um, and but yeah, so that that area to to most people who live here, that's that's a great place just to kind of get away without actually getting away. Yeah. So with that in mind, I was going to go into a little bit of the history of the area because it's it's interesting, and then I was going to get into the uh, ridiculous ghost stories uh, because <laughs> there are. They are some of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Just to start off, the original inhabitants of L.A. are called the Tongva. They have been they were here for about 3,500 years until the Spanish came. It's funny because they actually stole the land themselves uh, from an earlier tribe called the Quich that had been here for about 10,000 years. And when the Spanish finally got here, it was this guy, his name was Cabrillo, Juan, uh, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo. He settled or founded L.A. essentially in 1542, mm-hmm. but literally just like stuck a flag in the ground and was like, Boom, I found this, and then peaced out. So the real history of L.A. kind of starts with the mission system Mm. Uh, in the 1700s through the early 1800s. The King of Spain decides it's time to uh, shore up Spanish power and military defenses on the coast of California, so he orders the construction of 21 missions uh, up and down the coast, and the point of the mission system was to turn the natives into good, God-fearing Spanish citizens, and they literally had concentration camps called Reductions up and down the coast, so it was just a groovy time to be a native.
0: Good God, and we had to make fun. Oh, models of these in junior high. Yeah.
1: So the San Gabriel Mission, which is the closest major mission to Los Angeles, mm. was founded in 1771. And in G- January of 1776, 44 Spanish uh, missionaries, uh, pioneers arrive in LA and they spend their first night in LA camping in what is today the Travel Town Museum in Griffith Park. So the original settlers, settlers of L.A., uh, or at least the original white European settlers of L.A., mm-hmm. put down their first tent stakes in what is today Griffith Park. And have you been to the travel time museum? No, I've
0: just driven past it a million times. You
1: always see the sign for it. And it's all, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's only open on Sunday. Yep. But it's a train museum. And you can go and they have uh, like old train cars and things. I know they've look got at. like
0: a really interesting like model train.
1: Yes, that's been there inside. since the early 1900s, yeah. too. It's old, very old. So one of the early settlers, his name is uh, Jose Vincente Feliz.
0: Los Feliz, I'm assuming. <laughs>
1: exactly. So Feliz, if you're you know, uh, listening in Alabama where I'm from, Feliz means happy. Uh, so <laughs> his land was called uh, uh, the ra- happy. Rancho Los Feliz. So the happy ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just the family name. So it was the happy family uh, <laughs> who, uh, who settled that area originally. The reason he got it, by the way, Feliz was sort of the trusted advisor to Philippe Deneve, who was the first, who was the, whose credited as like the founder of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Felipe Deneve. And uh, this was his second lieutenant. And after Deneve after went back to Spain, he was the guy he left in charge and he did such a good job he's de facto kind of considered the first mayor of LA um, mm-hmm. Juan Vicente Feliz and he did such a good job that Carlos III, King Charles III, what have you of Spain was like hey have the northern half of the city so the Los Feliz uh, the Rancho Los Feliz was basically everything north of what is today Chinatown. It goes northwest up to up Hollywood. Up in real steep. Yeah, it goes up into what is now East Hollywood, Silver Lake, Echo Park, and then up into the hills of mm-hmm. what is now Griffith Park. So that was all the land. That was basically the Spanish king just being like, good job, have all of this. Uh <laughs>
0: Here's a pittance for your work.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And by the way, just to establish the time period. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coast, Ethan Allen and Benedict Arnold had uh, stolen the guns of the Ticonderoga and they were rolling them to Boston. So we've got the, the American Revolution just in full swing on the other coast while all this shit's happening in you know what's now Spain, mm-hmm. uh, but will eventually become uh, Alta California and eventually California. And uh let's see. I was trying to remember the other stuff. I'm I'm trying to just like lay out the facts before we get into the weird funny stuff because there yeah. there is uh this this story gets so strange. By the way, for those listening that don't know the full name of the city of Los Angeles is El Pueblo, uh, El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora Reina de Los Angeles, so the Town the of Our Lady of Queen our... of the Angels. Yeah. Yeah. So we just took the Angels and that's all <laughs> that's all we wanted to say out of that, but
0: is there more LA history than we took the thing that we liked from the other thing and made it our thing?
1: Oh yeah, well, and also <laughs> all of Los Angeles is just badly pronounced Spanish. So yep. what should be Los Feliz is Los Feliz. Uh, you know. <laughs> so that's that's my favorite. Is you can always tell if someone just moved here because they want to actually like say it correctly. So Tejunga. They're like, where do you live? And They're like me. You know, it's a white guy from Kansas trying to sound cool. Like I live in Los Feliz. Los Feliz, and you're like, no, just say Los Feliz like everyone
0: else. But say Los Feliz. My mom says Los Feliz because it so, it feels weird to pronounce it correctly.
1: Yeah, exactly. No one says Los Los Angeles. You know, no one. You know, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, she's Angeles. like, my daughter
0: lives in me. in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Oh, yeah. And then the town uh, eventually built its own parish church, which is still there. That's the old plaza church uh, in Olvera Street. Uh, oh,
0: man, downtown. I love Olvera Street.
1: Oh, I do, too. Olvera Street's really cool. That's that's uh, I, I in addition to uh, being a comic, I also work as a city tour guide mm-hmm. uh, here. So Olvera Street is my favorite place to take tourists. I
0: take everyone that's never been here before to Olvera Street. Yeah. I beg them to skip the walk of shame. Yeah. That was an accident.
1: <laughs> that Freudian slip there. Yeah. <laughs> The walk, the Walk of Fame, the yeah. Walk of
0: Fame, and Duel Vera Street, just because it yeah. it feels like a bigger part of LA history, and there's so much more to do and see there. Oh. It's so cool, but that old church, I've been obsessed with it forever now.
1: Sorry, I was taking off my jacket. Um, yeah, because
0: it's hell warm in here. <laughs>
1: it's all right. Um, yeah, but that uh, that church was uh, was built in uh, 1814. So mm. that's one of the. I think it might be. The second oldest building in the whole city, behind the the, or no, it is the oldest building in the city. The oldest house is the what's his name, uh, the Avila Adobe, which is on Olvera, Olvera Street, Street as
0: well, and it's a free museum that you can actually check out. Yeah,
1: that's right. And as a tour guide, it's very fun to take people because people, first of all, don't know anything about uh, the history of California. Yeah, and so when you tell them like this was Spain and then it was Mexico, they're like. What? And you're like, yeah, there was a war. And And then you you show
0: them the inside of the house and it's still very like old Spanish. Yeah. People have no idea.
1: It's the craziest thing. Like whenever you talk to Mm -hmm. people, you're like, uh, you know, and then of course there's like, you know, you get people who, ha- who are just like, you know, wow, there's there's like a lot of Mexican people here. And you're like, this was Mexico for 500 years. What the- Yeah, of course. What- they,
0: <laughs> we we were after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We uh, it, you know, and this is not like some Alex Jones conspiracy theory thing. Like <laughs> President James K. Polk, like false flag operation took Mexico. <laughs> like it was like, oh, they were shooting at us. And then they just took it like that's how the Mexican-American Might War not. started. Yep. Yeah it was it was literally a false flag it was just it was a total lie but anyway i said all that to set this up so anyway like i said the guy did such a good job that uh he was uh, in 1800 the spanish crown gave him all, uh, six thousand seven hundred acres of land and uh they gave him the honorific title of don so that's how you get uh you know don juan vicente Feliz. The system of, uh, this is just what I have written down. I would just read this. The system of rewarding loyalty with huge tracts of land to rich guys is what eventually became the feudal-like system of the early 1800s Mexico, the Californios. So people, if if you've ever read Zorro or seen any Zorro Mm -hmm. movies, that Zorro, which, uh, by the way, is totally where Batman is ripped off from. A super rich guy who puts on a mask and fights crime in the night is... uh, Absolutely taken from Zorro.
0: Blew my mind. Yeah,
1: because Zorro was like a millionaire, and uh, he had a cave underneath his house. Like, it's literally...
0: Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: It's almost beat for beat, just Batman. (laughs) But that came out of this era, and you have tales of, like, what's his name? Uh, Joaquin... Um, Marietta who Mm. the city of Marietta is named for he was kind of a Robin Hood folk hero and stuff like that that would have been around the same time period of the early early 1800s so this is this is the one I just wanted to read straight up because it's so crazy and just if you if you want to please stop me and uh, make fun of this because this is insanity Attractive land called El Rancho de Nuestra Señora Refugio de Los Feliz, the ranch of Our Lady of Refuge for the Feliz family, or just Rancho Los Feliz, the grant compromised what's today Los Feliz, Griffith Park, East Hollywood, and Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, And it remained in the the Feliz family until 1863. So 1881, there's this uh, popular local historian named Horace Bell, uh, and he puts out this book called Reminiscences of a Ranger, Early Times in Southern California. And in it, he tells this story. In 1853, Don Antonio Feliz, the son of José Vicente Feliz, is living at Rancho Los Feliz with his sister Soledad and her blind 19-year-old daughter Petronia. That summer, Don Antonio contracts smallpox and uh, worried about her health, they send uh, Petronia away from her mother and uncle to San Gabriel, and Soledad stays behind with Feliz. On his deathbed, Don Antonio requests a lawyer to help draw up his will. Uh, and he's visited by Don Inocante and the mayor of L.A., who is uh, Don Antonio Francisco Coronel. And over the course of the next several hours, they devise a plan to steal the rancho away from Soledad <gasps> and Petronia. They craft a will that leaves the rancho to Coronel. And the will is so completely ridiculous, and Feliz is too weak to speak or shake his head no. So while the will is read in the presence of a notary, uh, no doubt one of Coronel's cronies, the mayor uses a stick to nod Feliz's head in agreement. <laughs>
0: To God. each condition
1: of the will as the will is read. They so weakened
0: and Bernie's him out of his fortune. They
1: weakened and Bernie's him out of, out of Los Feliz. <laughs> they had a stick under his head and a notary was like, do you agree? And they just jiggle uh, the stick. He's like, dying. So Feliz dies. And uh, after uh, court upheld the legality of the will, Coronel gets Good everything God. because nothing has ever changed. Uh, nope. Sol- Soledad receives some furniture. And Petronia gets nothing. Uh, so, upon returning to Rancho Las Feliz, Petronia finds out about her uncle's deathbed disinheritance, and she immediately falls on the ground and says, "And this is her quote, which is this is so ridiculous. Your falsity shall be your ruin. The substance of the Feliz family shall be your curse. The lawyer that assisted you in your infamy and the judge shall bef- uh, fall beneath the same curse." The one shall die an untimely death, the other in blood and violence. You, señor, shall know misery in your age, although you you rich, uh, or although you die rich, your substance shall go to vile persons. A blight shall fall upon the face of this terrestrial paradise. The cattle shall no longer fatten but sicken on its pastures, and the fields shall no longer respond to the toil of the tiller. The grand oak shall wither and die. The wrath of heaven and the vengeance of hell shall fall upon this ground.
0: So she issued a Shakespearean curse.
1: Yes. So somehow, I guess a guy was just sitting there writing all that down. (laughs) Uh (laughs) <laughs> so according to Horace Bell, the guy who made all this up, the next few owners of the ranch, uh, which included James Lick, who was the richest man in California at the time, and he was the guy who owned Catalina Island. So he's the one who put the stupid buffalo on Catalina Island.
0: Oh, God. Is he responsible for the eucalyptus, too?
1: I believe so. Yeah.
0: All of the things that shouldn't be on the island that are just ruining the island.
1: Yep. <laughs> and turning the, turning the soil to nitrogen. Did
0: buy it for like a saddle?
1: I think so. Something crazy yeah, like Yeah, like a
0: saddle and a small amount of pennies from a drunkard.
1: <laughs> yep. And he's also the namesake of the namesake of the Lick Observatory in San Jose, and uh, apparently he had to deal with all kinds of crazy shit happening in his, on his land. So they tried to set up a dairy business and it was a disastrous failure when everyone in town got sepsis from the milk. <gasps> they tried to grow wheat and a plague of grasshoppers descended on the land and devoured it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this woman's an Egyptian god. I
1: know. They tried to set up a vineyard and it was stricken with a sa- a strange blight and all the vines perished. And now this is the part where you're like, all this stuff is like, you know, you're like, okay, maybe this is in this the is realm. Like your
0: regular old timey, the world hates folk you.
1: curse. Yeah. Now this is where it takes a leap into the craziest shit I've ever heard. A huge storm in March of 1884 brought waves of water cascading down the hills onto the flatland. Ranch hands claimed they saw the ghost of Antonio Feliz riding the waves and yelling, Senors, I am Antonio Feliz. Come to invite you to dine with me in hell. In your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons. An escort of
0: sub-demons. <laughs> somehow i love how dramatic <laughs> history is
1: in in the middle of a crazy rainstorm in which there are tidal waves of water cascading down the hills of los angeles into the flatlands a guy standing there manages to hear a whole paragraph spoken to him by a ghost who's riding a wave like <laughs> like he's fucking laird hamilton
0: just like a Bud Light commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What's up? I bring doom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, where did this Spanish land baron learn to surf? That's the other thing. Yeah. I don't think no. I don't think any Europeans were surfing at the time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so this
0: is another thing that Europeans stole later.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Let's see. Later the ghost of Petronia and Soledad were seen dancing the El Jarabe or Mexican hat dance over the ruin that had been wrought. This so, is so
0: jaunty. It's
1: so stupid. So they see the they see the father on the wave, and then the next day everything's washed away, presumably, and they see like the two daughters like getting down to the
0: I regained my vision after death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we still play that song in our ice cream trucks to this very day
1: yeah that's that's really petronia's curse is you you could never get away from that song Herds of ghostly animals stampede through the park at night and Petronia's curse has been blamed from everything from the failure of the cattle herd in the 1860s, the suicide of Peg Entwistle, the death of James Dean while filming rebel without a cause or after filming rebel without a cause at Griffith park and the Griffith park fires of 1933 and 2007 have all been uh, blamed Blamed on on Petronia's curse. And uh, I just have in my notes, all of this is probably bullshit because uh, that guy who wrote everything, uh, uh, Horace Bell, was essentially like a, a folk you know did folk tales you know he yeah. he wrote folksy fun stories for newspapers and stuff like that so he's kind of hyperbolic kind of you know uh i would say a california mark twain but mark twain lived in california too so yeah so he he would uh he would just make shit up to be a good story for the newspaper um but people still believe this i don't know i got i got all of this off of like fun if you want to go to google and just type in griffith park curse you can just read all this crazy stuff i just kind of cherry picked the best stuff Specifically,
0: Um, the Hat Dance of Doom,
1: the Hat Dance of Doom, and the ghost surfing and and being having a lot to say. That's the
0: episode title: "The Return of Rivers Langley and the Hat Dance of Doom."
1: (laughs) Hat Dance of Doom. I just I love that he was uh, he threw in, Seniors. I am Antonio Feliz. I have brought an escort of sub demons. (laughs) How slow was this surfing ghost moving? (laughs) like waves of water just rushing or by is he just and he's like
0: really clear can he throw his voice
1: yeah i guess so i don't know or he just like stopped and stepped off the surfboard to say all this and then got back on so and by the way one section of uh, the police house still stands at 4667 crystal springs road on the eastern end of griffith park it was supposedly used as a speakeasy in the 1920s and uh, after being renovated in 1934 it's now the park ranger station for griffith park So that was. I just want
0: to check it out for the sake of checking it out.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's apparently just a small section of the house. Like a lot of it was uh, kind of fell down, but they they in the
0: waves of ghost hat dances. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, So this is the this is the big the big story. Do you so do you know? I mean, you you said that people have talked about it. Did very brief. Okay, okay. So just
0: let me know who's more of a nutcase than I could have ever thought.
1: This, this story, when I was researching it, this is some of the craziest shit I've ever heard. So this is the guy's actual name. Griffith Jenkins Griffith.
0: No! <laughs> Griffith
1: Park is named for a man named Griffith Griffith. <laughs> Griffith Jenkins Griffith was born in the town of Betis in the borough of Penny Bont at Ogwar in Wales on July 4th, 1850.
0: No to all of this.
1: And I had to look up and that it's spelled because the Welsh have the craziest town names. It's spelled B-E-T-W-S. And it's called Betus. (laughs) The way Wilford Brimley says
0: diabetes. (laughs) Do you
1: suffer from Betus? So he moved to Ashland, Pennsylvania in 1865, taken in by a local couple who had recently lost a son in the Civil War. And he moved. So he's 15. He moves Mm -hmm. to America. He doesn't have a he doesn't have two pennies to rub together and moves in with this couple. They kind Mm -hmm. of raise him up. Uh, He goes to New York City where he studies journalism and mineralogy. Uh, And in 1873, he moved to San Francisco and uh, became the manager of the Herald Publishing Company. So he got a pretty good job uh, out the gate in 1878. Based on his expertise, he found the perfect job. He was hired as the mining correspondent for the Alta, California, which was a San Francisco newspaper uh, with the assignment of covering mine strikes in the American West. Um, this paper, by the way, we mentioned him earlier, was the same one that Mark Twain worked for. Oh. So if you didn't know Mark Twain, there's a reason he was not ever at any of the battles of the Civil War. It's because when the Civil War started, he was like, fuck this and moved to San Francisco and, and hit out for about six years while all the Civil War was happening. And that's where you get the jumping frogs of California. Barris County. That's that came out of that paper.
0: Love that man.
1: So, let's see. As a reporter, Griffith uh, gained extensive knowledge of the mining industry on the Pacific Coast and in Nevada, where he led his uh, employment by, oh, which led to his employment rather by various mining syndicates and as a mining expert griffith soon went into the speculation business for himself he used inside information he learned on the beat to invest in various companies and he acquired a fortune buying up shares in many of the uh, silver mines of zacatecas in central mexico so he made a ton of money on silver mining Mm -hmm. but because he worked for the company it was almost insider trading because he already knew like where the strikes were going to be and who all was there and how much he needed to invest and all that stuff so yeah it was kind of uh,
0: basically insider trading
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much insider trading. By 1882, Griffith was a millionaire and he took his fortune and moved to Los Angeles. Upon arriving in L.A., Colonel Griffith promptly purchased 4,071 acres of Rancho Los Feliz from Thomas Bell for around $50,000. It's around $1.2 million today. So... Pretty good deal for that much land. Uh, And he became a land baron, a real estate mogul, and a money lender. And he began splitting up the land he bought into development tracks. And eventually he bought more land further up the hills, including the Coinga Peak of Mount Lee, which is now the Hollywood sign. At the time, Mm -hmm. it was called Mount Griffith. And then they later changed the name to Mount Hollywood for reasons that we're about to get into. That'll be very obvious in a second. One of Griffith's tenants on the land that would eventually become Griffith Park was a man named Frank Burkett. Burkett ran an ostrich farm on the eastern end of Rancho Los Feliz near the L.A. River.
0: (laughs) I love ostriches so much. I got to
1: show you this picture in a second. Uh, In the late 1800s, if, if you don't know, there was a craze for ostrich feather hats. So women in the late 1800s up until World War I had these gigantic hats mm-hmm. with these crazy feather plumes. And the ostrich feathers were usually, because ostriches are huge and they have tons and tons of black feathers, that was usually kind of the basis for the hats. And then the big feathers came from birds that were sort of slaughtered in mass in the Everglades. Like they yeah. they killed several species of birds from the late 1800s to the early 1900s because of these hats. How uh, do we
0: still have peacocks?
1: Oh, well, the, I feel
0: like they would have <clears throat> been like target one.
1: Well, it's because they can't fly away. So they were easy That's to true. domesticate. So same with ostriches. And they were obviously getting all the ostriches from Africa. And then they realized, well, fuck, it'd be cheaper just to have a bunch here. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, they would cut down on the cost of them importing them. Uh, Burkitt, uh, who owned this uh, ostrich farm, trained several of the ostriches to pull people around in rickshaws and for a while the ostrich farm became an attraction so there is a woman ah! with a crazy oh hat oh my god so it's a Vanessa's looking at a photo of a woman ah! a woman with a crazy ostrich hat riding in a rickshaw being pulled by the
0: ostrich is it's it's <laughs> huh, it's an ostrich and it's, it's 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 doing work it's doing horse stuff it's doing horse stuff it's an ostrich doing horse stuff and it's got like little laces around its <laughs> legs and, oh my god this looks like, huh? This this looks like, uh, oh my god! Uh, those that race car show that we used to watch in the mornings, speed uh, racer? No, uh, wacky races. This looks oh. like a wacky race car. <laughs> this is insane.
1: So they were. They, <laughs> they were
0: had so decadent and shitty.
1: They actually had ostrich farms. If you just look up ostrich rickshaw on Google Image Search, you will find uh, they had ostrich rickshaws all over L.A. They had them in Pasadena. They had them <laughs> down in, like, the Inland Empire. And
0: these weird raptor birds.
1: It's, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's essentially a dinosaur pulling your, you around. And and yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know much about birds. They're not easy to train, right? Like
0: No, it, and ostriches are spiteful.
1: Yeah, it seems like this one would go... Rogue. It would go rogue on you real fast if you pissed it off. So, I don't know. But, uh, anyway. Now I'm
0: just thinking of, like... <laughs> <laughs> an ornate fancy lady being attacked by an ostrich. <laughs> so one of my favorite history stories involve ostriches and emus. Oh yeah. Yeah, I actually the episode that got me like known on this network was one where I just derailed everything to talk about the emu wars in Australia. Oh
1: yeah, I love that. Oh, where right. the where the Australian army lost like what three battles to emus?
0: <laughs> yeah. And if you look at the Wikipedia for it, it's just like Australian army versus group of emus
1: (laughs) my favorite was there was somebody in the in the parliament at the time who was just like maybe we should give an award to the emus they seem to be doing better (laughs) (laughs) they wanted to make medals for the emus just to be an asshole
0: (laughs) oh every good story involves ostriches or emus
1: oh god i love it uh what are you feeling on cassowaries
0: what is a cassowary?
1: It's the fiercer but smaller version oh, of... Oh, they're
0: like kind of squat?
1: They're kind of squat and they have these, essentially these gigantic spikes behind their wings and they will fuck you. They are the things that nightmares are made of. I think like, I
0: used to look up cassowary attack videos. Yes,
1: you probably did. Because I, I found out about them from watching the show yeah. Wild Boys with Steve-O and Chris That's Branius.
0: That's I saw yeah. I learned so much about the world. Me thanks too. to Stevo and Chris Pontius. Yeah. I was literally in this last episode recorded talking about Jackass because it had like a weird part in me becoming cultured. Uh, Thank you, wild boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, there's an episode where Chris Pontius, Stevo won't fuck with, that. that's how scary these are. Stevo yeah. was just like, no, dude, I'm not doing it. They hiss. Yeah. Well, no, not just that. They, they'll get up on one foot and just like slash you. Yeah.
0: They'll disembowel the closest you. The thing that exists two Jurassic Park raptors. Yeah. But they have long eyelashes. Yeah,
1: yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and, a, and like a beautiful, like, crest. And it's actually where they think that... Just- well, the crest will like change colors if they're like mad or horny mm. or whatever, you know. And that's they—they they think that dinosaurs, a lot of the dinosaurs with the big crests on their head, like that's a what cryolophosaurus or something like that, would probably have the same sort of feature where it would change colors, you know, to either warn people or to let them know they're in the mood. you know?
0: Oh man, I love me a big bird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my favorite, and I, I I wrote all this by the way. I'm so per- <laughs> so pleased with this this sentence almost as soon as he moved to la griffith began the process of reinventing himself as a (laughs) douchebag griffith became a self-styled fop he wore a long coat and walked with a silver cane and began referring to himself as the colonel (laughs) Oh man there is a statue at the corner of riverside drive and los Feliz boulevard where you can see a big statue of Colonel Griffith standing there with his his silver tip cane Uh, and on the plaque it says Colonel Griffith J. Griffith and so this is from the LA Times. Some are impressed by Griffith's man about town demeanor. Others are put off. One acquaintance described him as a quote midget egomaniac (laughs) another as a roly poly pompous little fellow who (laughs) who had an exaggerated strut like a turkey gobbler.
0: I love how shady the newspaper was.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, this, you know, the fact that people are now like, oh god, the media is so like bullshit. I'm like, we had a brief reprieve where the media was reliable. It's mostly been slander the whole yeah. time. He had a exaggerated start stru- like a turkey gobbler. He was condescend or er, he's condescending, long-winded and unpopular. Harry Carr, longtime reporter for the Los Angeles Times, wrote that Griffith was, quote, the most pompous man I have ever seen. <laughs> he had a strut... She doesn't
0: mince words.
1: He had a strut, a gold-headed cane, a flower in his buttonhole, and a patronizing little snicker. And no one could ever figure out what the colonel stood for since the only military title he'd ever officially held was Major of a Rifle Practice Company with the California National Guard. <laughs> so he'd essentially taken target practice with a rifle and...
0: I'm a colonel now. He
1: was just like, call me the colonel.
0: <laughs> I don't make chicken and I have no military history, but this counts. Well,
1: so, so not only, I mean, I love that he's he's engaged in stolen valor first of all, uh, but what we would call stolen valor today, but it's it's great that in the 1800s you could just move to a new town with a shitload of money and it'll, like be whatever you want. So you Like a real-life Gatsby. Uh, yeah, he is Gatsby. He's exactly Gatsby. Let's see. Oh, and this is great. Uh, And it wasn't just well to do high society types that Griffith managed to piss off. You remember the ostrich farmer, Frank Burkett? Yeah. Well, at some point in the early 1890s, his ostrich farm went belly up, and Griffith foreclosed on his property. On October 28th, 1891, Frank Burkett ambushed Griffith with a double-barrel shotgun outside of the Old Cavalry Cemetery on Buena Vista Street downtown, uh, shooting him once in the face, neck, and shoulder with the shotgun. Uh, Griffith ran for a distance before Burkett got off the other a shot from the other barrel. This one hit him in the back, and Griffith hit the ground. Burkett then produced a 44 caliber five-shot Bulldog revolver, put it behind his right ear, and blew his own brains out. And <laughs> here's the best part: after hearing Burkett hit the ground, Griffith rose to his feet. <laughs> He had somehow escaped with only minor injuries because Burkett accidentally used birdshot instead of buckshot.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And so he just got salt. He got essentially like these little 0.07 millimeter birdshot pellets in his back, neck and shoulders. So like he was bleeding and it probably stung a lot. But yeah, essentially got shot with rock salt like uh, like the bride and kill bill.
0: (laughs) oh my fucking god like <laughs> how do you not check that before you murder someone make sure it's not for birds
1: <laughs> what's crazy is uh they checked his stuff and they found buckshot in his bag which means he was loading the gun and he had the deadly stuff but he accidentally put in the bird shot it's like don't bring the the non-lethal stuff with you to the murder like no. he, it was premeditated he knew what he was gonna do but uh yeah you double check that this one. is
0: why your ostrich <laughs> farm fails
1: yeah you idiot <laughs> <laughs> um so a couple years before that in 1887 he married into the Mesmer family and they're also land barons uh there's actually a Mesmer Street over in East Hollywood
0: Is this the same Mesmer
1: not the German, not the mesmerizing, okay, gonna, not the hypnotist. Yeah. They're probably related somewhere back in Germany, but uh, this is. Uh, I
0: just learned about it, so I was wondering if it was related.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I love all that stuff. Uh, this time period is so magical to me. Like people, people always call this like the, you know the the Gilded Age is what it's referred to, but people always kind of call the the line of presidents between Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt is the Do Nothings, and I'm just like that is the juiciest part of American history.
0: That's the part of American history where it's just <laughs> kind of one of my favorite things around the. Mesmer area was when somebody was describing why their son should be lobotomized was because oh, yeah. sometimes it's sunny and he closes the blinds.
1: <laughs> it's just like, oh god! And
0: we were like, medically, we were like, oh, something's wrong with him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Got a swirl around an ice pick in his brain, and now you're better. Right,
1: right. Let's separate the hippocampus. Let's make
0: <laughs> it was that insane part in history where it was it, it, everything was just. Science and mythos was the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And by the way, they had a a son whose name was Vandal.
0: (laughs) How do you fucking set up a child so poorly?
1: My name is Vandal Griffith, uh, (laughs) which is my third favorite old-timey rich guy name. My first, of course, is Cornelius Vanderbilt. You'll never top that. That is the best old-timey rich guy name. Second, Griffith Jenkins Griffith is pretty good. And then, of course, Vandal Griffith so and by the way this was actually the most recent article that i pulled uh van griffith's home at the end of vermont avenue is currently for sale for 8.9 million dollars it is if you're going up vermont into griffith park it is the last mansion on your right before you actually pass into griffith park
0: oh
1: so it's right near you know spitting distance from the greek theater yeah yeah, yeah so that's it's uh, right
0: up towards that entrance
1: <clears throat> yep and it's uh it's for sale and uh Fun fact from a tour guide, uh, Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory lives basically right on the other street, kind of behind it. So there's that. Let's see. As far as Van goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) this is is where it gets uh, fun. December 16th, 1896, Colonel Griffith decides to give the city of Los Angeles what he calls an early Christmas present. uh, 3,015 acres of Rancho Los Feliz. uh, His stated goal, and this is hilarious. It must be a place of recreation and rest for the masses. A resort for the rank and file. For the plain people,
0: <laughs> oh, for his commonal commoners, I for cons- the unwashed,
1: yeah, for the idiots, I consider it my obligation to make Los Angeles a happier, cleaner, and finer city, and I wish to pay my debt of duty in this way to the community from which I have prospered. So, yeah, he said it was for the plain people, uh, and here's a tree, <laughs> stupid, yeah, exactly, yeah. His real goal, of course, was avoiding paying taxes on land that he considered too rocky to be bothered with developing there and to use the park to increase the value of the surrounding land, all of which he owned. There uh, it is. And the only thing he asked in return is that rail fares to the park remain one nickel and that the park be named for him. So he's not a megalomaniac at all. Nope. The problem was that in 1896, the city of L.A.'s population was only 110,000, and the land that he had donated was outside of the city limits. The city of L.A. agreed to his terms, but only after the, uh, the acreage on the L.A. River giving the city water rights. So he added... He had to basically buy and add on the little part there on Riverside mm-hmm. Drive that connects to the L.A. River. They built the old Griffith Park Zoo on top of Burkitt's old ostrich farm. Just oh,
0: as- <laughs> so there's so much death on that little... Because we just let the animals die that... <laughs> Ooh.
1: Oh, we can. This is. This no is, wonder
0: that place is supposedly haunted as fuck. So many animals perish.
1: Oh, yeah. So <laughs> if you don't know, one thing you can do if you come to visit LA, there's the old zoo
0: i talk about it non-stop it's my favorite thing to have you
1: talked about it on the show before
0: yeah in some senses in terms of just like this is a thing that you should go to that's free and right. i cannot believe it exists that you could just run around in
1: right and, and if you're listening out there and you can't envision it you've actually probably seen it before if you've seen the film anchorman. anchorman christine applegate falls into the actually tim robbins pushes her into the gorilla enclosure at what's supposed to be the san diego zoo that is actually the old Griffith Park Zoo.
0: Yeah, that used to be the elephant enclosure, I think. Or-
1: yeah. Oh, I've got some sad stuff here. Let's see. Uh-
0: Side note, before that, I actually fell into the old, I think it was like elk or it was something that kind of looked like a deer. <laughs> it, it's one of the uh, chain link ones oh, up on the yeah, hill yeah yeah i fell into that because i i this is back when i was a much more limber teenager uh-huh and i had crawled up in it because there's like that feeding area in the middle in between the two cages yeah and i was at the top and i was walking on top of the chain link and then i just like it just gave under yeah. me and i just landed inside and there's no way for me to climb out and i was by myself so oh, i <laughs> It's just it but it was like in the daytime so i was like i'll be fine i could just like wait for a stranger to come up because people hike there all the time yeah, yeah. but like every time a tourist would come by the chain link fence i'd just be like excuse me do you speak english can you please get me out of this out cage?" how did you get out eventually because i feel like some people either pretended they didn't speak english or they didn't speak english what and they were just dicks. tourists and they were just like walk by me and i'm like i am a teenager trapped in an old animal enclosure <laughs> please get me out <laughs> And this group of guys came by. Or at least throw me some fruit. Throw me fruit. (laughs) Throw me fruit. Give me crackers or a water before I dehydrate it. I was in there for, I think, like 20 minutes.
1: Okay. Uh, God, I thought you were going to say 20 hours. Oh,
0: God. and Long enough to where it feels like forever, but like the entire time you're like, will I live in this cage?
1: That is, first of all, let me say it. That is too long, considering other humans saw you in there. (laughs) That is 20 minutes too long from whatever time in which another person saw you. basically
0: a child to be (laughs) trapped. In a rusty tomb.
1: What a dickhead. I can't imagine walking by a kid just being like, I'm trapped in an animal cage and being like, "Uh."
0: they just looked at each other and like kind of shrugged. And then they looked at me and, just like, and then just kept going. And I'm like, whatever language, you know, I guarantee it can shout help in it. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. And these group of dudes came by and they were just like, ah, do we like pull her out? Cause they were just like, they're more down for the adventure of saying that they pulled a teenager out of an old animal cage. Yeah. So they're like, we don't know if we should pull her out from the top. So what they ended up doing was they all took turns like lifting up the chain link from underneath so that it wouldn't roll back and hit me in the face. Oh so yeah. So I okay. can belly crawl underneath Oh, okay.
1: I gotcha. So but you kick it out.
0: if you guys see the uh, chain link fence at the top and there's a little roll at the bottom, that's where a little old me had to squeeze on through. <laughs>
1: I think they've cleaned it up a little bit. They've cleaned it up a lot since I was a
0: teenager because there's like a bunch of condoms and needles in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. There's just some little sad things about the Griffith Park uh, Zoo. When it opened, there was a polar bear named Ivan the Terrible. Mm. And he was named Ivan the Terrible because he ate the other two polar bears.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. What if it was just something like Snowball before? (laughs)
1: Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, there were three polar bears. And then all of a sudden they came to the zoo one day and they're like, I guess we're just going to have one.
0: Marshmallows, Ivan now. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. There was also an 88-year-old camel named Aww. Old Topsy. <laughs> that supposedly served in the Civil War.
0: Topsy isn't kind. History is not kind to animals named Topsy. No, that's
1: Old Topsy sounds so depressing. And also, I did not know. Again, this could be complete... Bullshit. But I didn't know camels lived to 88 years old, and I love that it served in the Civil War. <laughs> you oh, my know?
0: God. That's like even a cool grandpa in a cage. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so uh, Griffith Park Zoo, uh, the old Griffith Park Zoo is now called Old L.A. Zoo Picnic Area. And uh, in addition to being a millionaire philanthropist, Griffith, like most progressives of his day, was also a huge supporter of the temperance movement. Publicly, he gave speeches about the ravages of drink and how it tore apart lower class families. So he's a real piece of shit and meanwhile according to uh, later testimony from nearly everyone that knew him uh, the real Griffith when out in the public out of the public eye was a reprobate alcoholic known to consume two quarts of whiskey per day and was known to suffer from paranoid delusions Uh, which brings us to the main thing that
0: that's the man we know
1: most people uh, when you hear Griffith Park people are like oh and you maybe know the story that it's a rich guy and none of this is understandably so uh, presented in any of the literature online that I was you know, I was going through Griffith Park's official website and they mentioned Colonel Griffith, but they sort of just put him in the frame of being like, oh, he was a great philanthropist. They don't talk about uh, September 3rd, 1903. Colonel Griffith and his wife are spending the summer with their son at the presidential suite of the Hotel Arcadia in Santa Monica. And uh, that hotel is gone. But in its place, there is a motel called the Hotel California with the words living it up painted on the side.
0: (laughs) Gross. And uh
1: (laughs) On their last day at the hotel, Mrs. Griffith reported that, essentially, Mr. Griffith, uh, Colonel Griffith, uh, burst into the room, drunk as shit, and accused her and the Pope of conspiring to poison him.
0: With the Pope.
1: Yeah, because Griffith is Polish, or I'm sorry, he was a Welsh Protestant, and his wife was Catholic, German Catholic.
0: Got it. So she's using her Catholic shifty powers.
1: Yeah, to, uh, to try to kill him and she would not fess up to this so he put a gun between her eyes and was like tell me you're trying to kill me tell me you're trying to kill me and she turns her head slightly away and he he shot her and the bullet went through her eye but basically came out through the corner of her skull and didn't go into her brain or and just kind of went in the eye and then out the side holy shit and uh, so she lost the eye, but she was still alive. Mm-hmm. And she jumped out of the window down to the, uh, the awning, basically below, and climbed into the apartment of the guy who owned the hotel. And then he called the cops, and Colonel Griffith was arrested, and uh, he goes to trial. By the way, the uh, the prosecution was led by uh, ex-governor Doc Weiler. So if you've been to Doc Weiler Beach, that was named for a uh, former governor of California who prosecuted this trial uh, yeah. <laughs> as the DA. And during the trial, Griffith's attorney, Earl Rogers, began the first ever alcoholic insanity defense. And uh, this was one of the first times that alcohol was uh, called into account in an American courtroom as a disease, a mental illness, not just a sin or a crime of indulgence. So... Mm. There is that, you know, I guess that's sort of a positive. It's like, yeah, it's weird, right? Because you're like, yeah, it is a disease.
0: But but
1: this defense uh, was, yeah, (laughs) that's that actually is a great way to sum up the sound of most history It's just uh, 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 all right. It's interesting, but uh, of course, (laughs) of course, it's bad, you know and uh, this is from the LA Herald on uh, March 11th 1904 and this is hilarious when the time for the sentencing had come the court addressed the prisoner and Griffith rose when he did so half of the large audience also rose excitedly and the bailiff called for order old women were there in large numbers and younger ones were there also and they craned their necks this way and that and men shouldered each other back and forth trying to see what a wealthy man looked like while being sentenced (laughs) This is what happened when there was no TV. People were just like, I ain't never seen a rich guy go to jail. <laughs> and I then,
0: actually did an entire report in high school about how public execution is uh gone down around the time of TV being a thing. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. That's uh, that um there's the line, the first line of Desolation Row by Bob Dylan is they're sending postcards of the hanging. That was a real thing. Yeah. Like they used to literally make photos of hangings. And they've turned them into postcards. You
0: can actually watch on YouTube video footage of the last hanging that took place. And I believe 1977, or 1976, not hanging, uh, guillotine. Oh yeah. Yeah. In, in uh, France. Uh, in yeah. In France. The well, they
1: eventually had to move it inside because
0: they <laughs> moved it inside until like way later than you think it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Way later. <laughs> like the what? Like the fifties or something crazy.
0: About. Yeah. Something. Actually, I think the seventies
1: whoa god um, i'm like imagine being reason. guillotined and like you go see star wars i think it you commit in- a crime and then you get guillotined i think
0: it went till 77 <laughs> that's so great because like he ba ba
1: down, ba da ba da.
0: yeah because the last public one was took place in like the 30s yeah so it was behind closed doors until <laughs> 77 well you can't tell by the way <laughs> i move my walk and I, I can still that- feel god uh <laughs> five seconds after disco fever (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. oh man history's gross god
1: that's too late that's so late for a guillotine although it is wildly effective i i would take a guillotine over the you know the give it
0: to me over the electric chair yeah
1: i take the firing squad something you know uh so anyway, everybody uh, wanted to see the man sentenced. Yep. He uh, went to jail for two years. He went to San Quentin. This is the least surprising thing uh, you'll ever hear. After being released from jail, Griffith became a staunch advocate of prison reform.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Did he not like his time there?
1: <laughs> apparently not. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's it remind when I was reading this, it just reminded me of the fucking opioid crisis now where it's like no white people gave a shit about criminal justice reform until you know their sons and daughters got on heroin and now all of a sudden it's a disease and not a you know not a sin or whatever so yeah
0: where it's just kind of like a family in the midwest tore apart by opioid addiction doesn't matter but like yeah bill free took one too many xanax and ruined a house yeah
1: yeah so and now it's a thing this is this is so griffith wrote an op-ed for the la press herald i was going nuts on the la press herald all <laughs> all week by the way uh this was from his op-ed prisoners receive no preparation from supporting themselves when released and they leave san quentin with only five dollars in a suit of clothes which every policeman and every detective knows the man who is quote done time does not know where to turn and where to look for work. And that $5 is not going to last very long. He emerges from the Bastille physically and mentally handicapped. Uh, released thus without preparation for supporting himself by industry and without assistance or guardianship from the state. It is a small wonder that he returns to a life of crime. The purpose of reformatory is to educate these men to be self-supporting and to release them only when they are prepared to earn their living, which is like, that was 19 fucking 10. And this is still an issue.
0: <laughs> this is
1: still like, and it's funny coming from him. Cause you're like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, but you know, it did, you know, I guess it it took a guy of his status to like say the obvious thing, but no one learned the lesson from it.
0: This is a song that we sing a lot.
1: Yeah, this is this is still happening. Everything yep. he said in this is still applicable. I think It's adjusted for inflation, but it's all still applicable. If you take
0: our first episode and this episode, literally everything we talk about is still applicable. Mm -hmm. We learn nothing. (laughs)
1: Nothing. No one ever learns anything. So this is almost the end of uh, of Griffith Griffith. Uh, In 1912, uh, he offered a Greek theater and a, (laughs) quote, Hall of Science to the city of Los Angeles. And in his hall of science, he wanted to have a a movie theater, which was a fairly kind of new invention at the Mm -hmm. time, presenting information to the stupid, unwashed masses of how to basically become self-sufficient. And one of the films... Get a
0: job, stupid. Right. Well,
1: one of the films he wanted to present was how to dynamite fish. (laughs) To use dynamite to kill copious commercial quantities of fish in a lake.
0: It's a Homer simpson ass move.
1: Yeah, it's hilarious. I would love to go see that movie, though, where it's like, hey, stupid, here's how you kill a bunch of fish for your family.
0: Does your wife hate you? you Are you impotent?
1: (laughs) We can at least get you too many fish.
0: Does your son have a long handshake? (laughs) I can help!
1: A long handshake is great.
0: Uh... So as soon as he
1: offers them this money, the city is like, fuck, yeah, we'll take it. But there's a part commission uh, of which Griffith was a member and then he got kicked the fuck off when he tried to shoot his wife in the head. Uh, I don't don't know why, but they were like a little hesitant to take it because they were like, this seems uh, gross. We don't want to take this.
0: We've had our experience with curses.
1: Yeah. We don't want to take this guy's money. So they didn't. They didn't take his money at all. Uh, and basically, the city and the Park Commission went to battle in the courts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Griffith died uh, July 6, 1919, of liver failure. Go figure. So that was July 6th. Ten days later, uh, this is from the Los Angeles Herald. Action towards paving the way for the building of a proposed Greek theater, hall of science, and observatory provided for in the will of the late Colonel Griffith J. Griffith today said it was expected within a fortnight. It was stated that legal obstacles have been eliminated. So, literally, they waited till the motherfucker was dead and they're like, all right, now we'll take it.
0: And that's the observatory in the Greek theater. Holy shit.
1: So, <laughs> they, uh, they built the observatory. Uh, this is where I'm going off the notes straight into tour guide mode. Yep the observatory opened in 1935 and it was built to essentially be a miniature version of the Mount Wilson observatory, which had been opened in the early 1900s. And uh, Griffith was actually given a a tour of Mount Wilson observatory, which is where he got the idea. So he he was supposed to look through a telescope and said, you know, if every man could see what I see, they would be inspired to pursue a life of science, which he viewed as like a good thing, which I, you know, again, I can, I can, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. I agree with that. Yeah. So the Griffith Observatory was never meant to be a research station. It was always just meant as an educational tool for the city of L.A., mm-hmm. uh, which is something a lot of people don't know. They're like, oh, when did they stop doing science up here? It's like, well, it's always just kind yeah, of been. Yeah, really a, did. Yeah. Because if you haven't noticed, L.A. is uh, super bright and it's hard to see stars. Yeah. So, um, But uh, yeah, so about 14 million visitors uh, go through uh, Griffith Observatory every year. so that's about 40,000 people a day. Good and God. it's the, one
0: of my favorite places in the universe, but it gets really packed.
1: Yeah. The parking lot has, I think it holds like 150 cars. Yep. So you have to get there super early. I just walk up. Yeah. It's beautiful. And do you, do you know the thing about the statue out front? No. So if you take a trip to Los Angeles and you go to the Griffith Observatory, in front of the observatory, and the observatory, by the way, is beautiful. It, it's a art deco. It's meant to be sort of look like a Greek temple, but art, art deco seen style. you probably
0: in a Grand Theft Auto.
1: Yeah. Either Grand Theft Auto, uh, La La Land. Uh, it was in Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. It's the opening scene of the first Terminator movie. Like, you've seen Griffith Observatory. Just look it up on your Google machine. Anyway, yeah. So... There's lots of people that go there every day and out front they have what's called the astronomer monument mm-hmm. and uh, pardon the astronomer monument has little representations of Galileo and Isaac Newton and uh, you know all of you know the famous astronomers Copernicus stuff like that. The guy who did the statues of the astronomer monument uh, was a man named George Stanley and George Stanley is also the guy who did the Oscar statue. So when you go yeah. up there next time, you will notice that Isaac Newton looks suspiciously like an Oscar. He's got his hands folded in front of him, much in the same way the Oscar does. And that's because that dude could only do one thing. And it was guys just standing like this
0: with their hands folded and yeah. real good size. Yeah,
1: exactly. So um, that's a fun fact. He also did the Sphinx uh, statue in front of the Hollywood Bowl on the other side of Griffith Park.
0: I love that area so much just because every once in a while they'll find an, an amateur astronomer that's just excited to teach you stuff.
1: Oh my God, yeah. If you go there, they have certain nights where it's like astronomer night. Yeah. And there's just like 50 people with their own telescopes in the yard. And if you just walk up to them, they'll tell you. They're like, they'll are oh, like, tell you everything. It's the Pleiades, you know. <laughs> they have it pointed at stuff. So Yeah,
0: my niece wants to be an astronaut. She's seven, but she's just like in full like space. Yeah, you know? hell yeah. So like I'll take her there on ast- uh, astronomer night and they are like more than excited. Oh, of course! To yeah, to indulge a child in outer space. Any
1: kid that's into science and a, a scientist is like, "Oh my god, come here! I'll tell you everything."
0: Yeah, when I'm just please kind of stay. Like, Here's a seven year old girl and <laughs> please really don't leave me. STEM, and they're just kind of like, "We're going to tell you everything about this goddamn planet." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome like trick-or-treating for her oh man
1: griffith observatory is uh basically about halfway up what was called mount griffith Mm -hmm. and then after the shooting they changed to mount hollywood yep uh and (laughs) you can hike up to the top of mount hollywood like i said at the beginning of the app, gives you great views of the whole thing next to mount hollywood is mount lee uh mount lee is named for don lee who was like an early tv uh executive Mm -hmm. and he's actually the one that built the ugly ass antenna on top of the hollywood sign (laughs)
0: I was going to ask, when did that happen?
1: So the Hollywood sign uh, was built in 1923, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was originally built as an advertisement for the neighborhood that it sits above, The neighborhood was called Hollywood Land, still called Hollywood Land, and the sign was originally just supposed to be a billboard. The lease on the land was only for 18 months, and they were going to tear it down. So like the London Eye, like the Eiffel Tower, it was never meant to be a global icon of the city of LA. It was just meant to be temporary, like basically a billboard to sell real estate. So the sign was built in 23, the tower was built in 43, and originally it bounced TV signal from one side of the mountain to the other and it's now owned by the city of LA and it is the tower that routes uh all police fire and uh, uh EMT and school Mm -hmm. so all the school buses all of their radio signals go through there as well so because unfortunately it's owned by the city of LA they're not going to tear it down anytime soon. They're going to use it. They're going to use it forever so the Hollywood sign has a big ugly antenna right above it Um, and the Hollywood sign was uh, basically it said Hollywood land from 23 until uh, 49 and in 1949 they took down the L.A. and D and it just became the Hollywood sign. By 1978 the sign's kind of fallen down looks mm-hmm. real crappy you can actually look up pictures of Hollywood land or Hollywood sign 1978 Whereas
0: real dilapid just
1: and and uh, if you've seen the movie the nice guys the opening shot of the nice guys is the, the Hollywood sign so looking much. real ratty yeah
0: if you're I, I tell everybody that I have like a list of I love LA movies yes nice guys is in my top three now because of that
1: that's a great that's a great they have got some
0: beautiful shots of like old LA that I really love
1: and the last uh, scene is at the house of blues yep. which isn't there anymore
0: <laughs> oh man seriously, seriously that down Watch the nice guys please i've asked you like three times on this podcast. A, <laughs> it's a great movie
1: but yeah that's uh that's kind of the story of the hollywood sign and uh this is the the one i, I teased at the beginning september 8th 1932 24 year old welsh welsh actress peg entwhistle tells her uncle she's going for a walk in the hollywood land neighborhood she in fact uh instead of taking a walk Around the neighborhood, she climbed all she the way to the top world. of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> I wrote that in there just for you. Bless you. She uh, climbed all the way to the top of Mount Lee, and using a workman's ladder that had been left at the site, she ascended the 50-foot-tall H of the Hollywood sign and jumped off. Uh, around daybreak the next day, an anonymous hiker found Peg's coat, one of her shoes, and her purse. Inside the purse was a suicide note. The note read, "I'm afraid I'm a coward. I'm sorry for everything. If I'd done this thing a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain." PE, which is peck and whistle. Uh, an autopsy was performed, and there was no indication of uh, her having been drinking, which is interesting because the the whole thing about her, you know, being mm-hmm. super wasted or whatever and depressed, all that comes from Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger, and it's sort of been determined that he made up. A lot of that shit. Oh
0: shit! Yeah,
1: or at least a lot of it was like rumor and conjecture <laughs> that he just kind of repeated. Um, but after the autopsy, uh, they determined that the cause of death, and this is horrifying, uh, was internal bleeding caused by multiple fractures of the pelvis. Which means that she didn't die <laughs> when she hit the ground.
0: She'd been there. She
1: yeah. She like landed on her feet and just died slowly. Essentially,
0: kind yeah. of like when you push a shrimp tail up into the thing and then <laughs> it butterflies open.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i have been working in kitchen since i was 15 and i really appreciate that
0: reference that is so
1: horrifying but actually true i'm just gonna like run down i got like four more entries in my notes i just wanted to run down some of the horrifying yes. things that have happened in griffith park uh 1933 a fire left 29 people dead and 150 people injured the fire is the deadliest in la history uh, World War II, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, uh, the United States uh, indiscriminately incarcerated Japanese Americans all over the country. And uh, at the time, Griffith Park was used as a makeshift holding center for groups of these uh, bedraggled prisoners serving as a temporary detention it camp.
0: Was a camp. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. Until they could be moved off to one of the permanent camps. It's estimated that around 550 Japanese Americans were confined in Griffith Park from 1941 to 1942. And then in 1930, uh, 1943, uh, they turned the park into into a pow processing center for german italian and japanese prisoners of war uh and so it was a prison camp uh and which people
0: is, hike there now
1: and people love to go have a little picnic <laughs> that they yeah they, a picnic designed by pinterest right on top of <laughs> where
0: mason jars and burlap
1: oh my god so much suffering
0: there's so much blood spilled on the ground
1: the, yep this is super fucked uh, November 16th, 2015, uh, Gabriel Campos Martinez convicted of was convicted of killing his boyfriend, uh, Harvey, uh, Hervey uh, Medellin uh, Campos Martinez, chopped up the body and left the head in a plastic 99 cent only store bag near the Hollywood sign.
0: They have some photos of that scene uh, at the Museum of Death. Oh, do they? In um, a binder.
1: Ooh, I need to go. I need to go
0: back there. I love the Museum yeah, of Death. they go if you go towards the Hollywood Land Murders mm-hmm. Room. They have this like glass case, and there's like six binders in there of cases from like just around the park stuff that they right. have, like open in the public, oh, photos cool. that you can check out.
1: Oh, I need to check that out. Yeah, the Museum yep. of Death on Hollywood Boulevard is uh, if you're into creepy shit, is yeah, the best. We actually
0: did an episode about it. Oh, about did how, you like? People get a weird sense of calm when they go. Yeah. Cuz it's just kind of like, ah, it's not that bad.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're, you're just like, well, everybody's going to be there eventually, one way or the other.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get things are a little brighter and they taste better after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, you know, the thing about that museum is <laughs> they they have uh and i think it's just probably because they have a leaky ceiling or something they have rose scented glade plugins plugged in in absolutely every socket so you walk in there and it smells like a funeral home
0: oh it's creepier for more reasons than you think uh because there's the road se- rose scented plugins so it yeah. smells like a funeral home have you ever noticed that you like uh, we did an episode about this with Anna and this Anna Valenzuela and this. also. Oh, I just you. saw
1: her actually at the uh, Grand Central Market today. Aww, yeah.
0: Love that lady. She
1: also works for the same tour company that I do. All right. Yeah. She's she's killer too. She's oh, really yeah. great at it.
0: I wanted to give her this fun little fact because I did some serious research in the Museum of Death when we did the episode. Oh, yeah. Have you ever noticed that it, like you kind of get startled a little bit easier than anybody else because like, you, really, you can't really hear someone in the next room. So you're always like surprised by someone being there. Yeah, sound doesn't travel that well there. Yeah, it's because it used to be a recording studio, and oh, there I is think I sand in the walls, so it's deadened. Whoa! So that's why people always say like, "Yeah, I just walked into a room and like I accidentally bumped into this lady," but I was really startled and like, "Yeah, that's because you can't hear someone in the next room." I think I knew
1: that actually. There's some. There's a couple of like famous records that were cut there too, mm-hmm. and I can't remember right off. But yeah, I remember. uh I forgot what the hell I was looking at, but it wasn't the Museum of Death. I was reading about an artist or something. It was like, oh, they recorded something in Hollywood at these studios. And I was like, what is this address? And I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's the Museum of Death. Yep. Yeah. I can't I can't remember for the life of me what it is. It'll probably come to me and on the way. That's
0: why everyone's always hella startled by other museum patrons there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that place is cool, man. But uh, yeah, so they found a head at the Hollywood sign. In a
0: 99
1: cent bag. In a 99 cent store bag. Uh, that was, so that was uh, 2015. Uh, March 19th, 2016, a female human skull, another one, was found near the Hollywood sign. Two hikers made, made the grim discovery while trekking through Griffith Park. And police told the Los Angeles Times, the skull is believed to be several years old and was found in a hard to reach area of Bronson Canyon. Uh, detectives had to use rope to rappel about 100 yards down to retrieve it. So,
0: whose face?
1: There's been two heads <laughs> found it. And by the way, uh, there's uh, the. Uh, have you heard Dana Gould's joke about that? No. Dana Gould has one of the funniest jokes about a decapitated head. I'm gonna say the best probably because I don't know any others. But yeah. he he goes, uh, yeah, you know they found a head up by the Hollywood sign. Uh, it was actually found by someone walking their dog leading to the most intense game ever of, put it down, boy, put it down. <laughs> so they found two heads. And then the other thing I was going to mention, and I'm sure you know this, uh, there are signs everywhere in Griffith Park that says you are entering mountain lion country.
0: It's my worst fear. Uh, mountain lions? have a long, long, long history with an absolute... And almost unreasonable fear mountain lions because like have you ever are, seen one in the wild? I haven't seen one in the wild yet, but I've heard one and I like actually peed. Uh, oh, I bet because they they sound like a screaming woman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the wow. That, yeah, and when yeah. you can hear it in a place that kind of echoes and it's everywhere yeah. and you can't tell where it's coming from, but like it's almost to the point of irrational too, where like if somebody just mentions it on a hike, I don't want to go on the hike anymore. Yeah, they can they could not be saying like I saw one. They could just be like. Mountain Lion in this other part of the country, and I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. You said Mountain Lion. yeah, It's over. This is my Macbeth.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't say Macbeth in the theater. Don't say mountain lion in Griffith Park around Vanessa. No,
0: because like when I was a child and we were going up to Big Bear for the first time, there was a big case about a little girl that disappeared and her clothing and remains being found near mountain lion den. Yeah. And my cousins pestered me with this so much that I was just convinced that I was being specifically targeted oh, yeah, yeah. by a mountain lion.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like anytime I would hear like a window bang against uh like a shutter, I'd be like mountain lion. Yeah. Or- it's, a,
1: it's a mountain lion.
0: Everything was mountain lion to where my parents couldn't take me anywhere. It didn't matter. I was like mountain lion to where I actually yeah. saw a child therapist. Cause I kept having nightmares about mountain lions. Wow. And so now whenever I'm in Griffith park and I see that sign, I'm like, I'm going home. You cannot stop me. <laughs>
1: you know, it was hilarious this summer when I was giving tours up there, we drive past the sign and somebody had taped a lost dog sign to the mountain lion sign.
0: <laughs> and I was just
1: like, did you not read the fucking sign? I think you I have know an answer. I think I solved your dog situation. <laughs> uh,
0: so many dogs disappear because of fucking mountain lions. Yeah. And I'm like, also like really invested in the tracking of them. Cause I like know the numbers of like, it's just like, Oh yeah. 1113 recently was found by this.
1: Well, I was going to mention, yep. uh, March 10th, 2016 mountain lion P 22, which is <sighs> like the, the Hollywood mountain lion. And yep. and if you're listening and you just want to see something that will curl your fucking hair, just type in Griffith Park Hollywood mountain lion. And you can see this picture that was published in National Geographic magazine of a mountain lion in the middle of the night, just sort of like standing on an incline with the Hollywood sign visible behind it, just looking as scary as the day is long. It's
0: horrifying. And you're
1: like, I live right there.
0: (laughs) P-22 actually passed away this year.
1: What? Yeah, that 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 one specifically.
0: Yeah. Oh no,
1: kidding. Uh,
0: I think it was either P twenty two or P twenty two. I'm pretty sure P twenty two though, because it was one of the ones that the public had like followed. Yeah,
1: yeah. That that's the one. Yeah,
0: they found P twenty two this year towards the base to, uh, base of Griffith Park. Oh no shit. They said it was like a natural cause yeah. thing though, because he was an older he guy. Was, he
1: was old, but yeah, he killed the koala. In in the yep. Griffith, in the Griffith Park Zoo.
0: Yep, that was P2. because I remember they mentioned it in his eulogy.
1: Oh shit! Okay, yeah, because yep. uh, they it was hilarious when it happened. I mean, well, one hilarious for the koala, <laughs> but I do imagine just a fucking smug ass koala like, "Yeah, go ahead." yeah we got a fence you can't get over the fence <laughs> and then it gets over the fence like oh fuck and then it gets eaten you it's know p22
0: is like i am a city line you don't understand
1: right and they after it ate the koalas the uh the city uh, uh the zoo published a th- like an article in the la times that said la zoo to koalas or la zoo to mountain lion no hard feelings about the koalas <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was just the zookeepers
1: because, of course, all zookeepers are biologists. And so they're just like, this, this, happens. Is, this is the most fascinating thing ever. It made it over a razor wire fence and fucked up all these koalas. This is crazy. And all these people were like, it killed the poor koalas. And they're like, yeah, we built a buffet in the middle of its habitat. What the fuck do you think it was going to do? It's a yeah. wild animal. Um,
0: if but- anything, you just jumped the turnstiles of a subway and just. Yeah, helped himself
1: just got into it. Well, the one thing I was going to mention about the uh, about what you were saying about the fear of uh, actually I got two things I'd say about your fear of mountain lines. If you want to help alleviate those fears. Yes. Have you ever looked at mountain lion videos on YouTube?
0: Some.
1: So there's some of these videos of like guys with their iPhones where they're just filming them and you know, they're like pretty confident. They're just be like, get away. Hey, I see you get get motherfucker <laughs> and like they're pretty easy they're pretty skittish so which I didn't I mean I I, I guess I kind of assumed but because you don't ever see them
0: well like that's why they would say be tall because like I was never I was a junior park ranger but I wasn't a junior park ranger in like mountain lion country I was a junior park ranger in like coyote country
1: oh where was this
0: el paso along the chihuahua desert area oh
1: yeah okay wow
0: and uh basically what they would tell us to do is we would just have a can filled with pennies yeah that we just (laughs) shake at them yeah yeah because like i wasn't the tallest in the world so like i always made sure i had like my can full of pennies yeah of course and now i actually still keep it in my car. Because I was like, as soon as I as soon as I wasn't like a little junior ranger anymore, I'm like, this won't be an issue. And then I moved to Burbank, and I have seen so many coyotes. Oh yeah,
1: hell yeah, they're everywhere. That I
0: now just keep it in my car whenever I park because the, there has been cases where I had a friend visiting me, and he got out of uh, he left my apartment. He was like, I'll catch you later, and he came back in. and He's like, I can't get in my car. I'm like, why? And he set, he showed me a photo, and there's just three coyotes hanging out by the driver's oh. side door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to go out there with my car and just like honk at him and flash the light so he can get into his own car, yeah,
1: yeah, trying to draw him away uh, the other thing I was gonna say about that sound that wow like that crazy sound, do you feel like when you you said you heard it mm-hmm. like that so, hearing something like that it cuts directly through millions of years of human evolution and hits you in like the deepest sort of just animal part of your brain where you're like fuck
0: go danger go, now. go danger like i don't know how to describe the feeling other than like i peed a little no i, I and i, like,
1: I did yeah man because
0: every muscle tensed and it was just like direction go
1: yeah because underneath all of this civilization that we've built up there is a monkey inside all of us just being like <laughs> don't eat me. Get, the, get the tree get the fucking tree <laughs> and uh, it's it's uh, that that is like the the one of the most exhilarating things and it's not it's not the fear of like a jump scare in a horror movie but like when you're in nature and you hear something no and you you it's it's what you know the the romantics described as the feeling of the sublime uh you know standing in front of a a, a mountain and just being uh consumed with like simultaneous like awe and terror
0: yeah because like
1: it's such a pure feeling like it's not it's not. I don't know. To me, it's like uh
0: It's all primal. It's, it's all so primal. Yeah. Complete and utter Because pri- like when I heard it, it didn't even like come from a direction because I was I was up and it came from like lower. So it was like a little yeah. It was it, it was a little concaved area yeah where if it makes sound it oh, you I'm, hear it everywhere.
1: I've got a similar story. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so like the second it happened, I just just. I, have you ever started running so fast you fall like
1: <laughs> yeah, you were like Scooby Doo like to where do you just do 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 like do 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 do, your feet
0: scoop sand under like yeah. just started hit the ground and then like toes still moving but knees scraping just covered in dirt claw running just like I need to get back to the jeep I'm going to the jeep and I'm leaving.
1: Man uh, the one that happened to us was in the sketch group I'm still in the sketch group we're uh, writing new stuff now called Hush Money and we did this sketch where we went out uh, and filmed in Angeles National Forest Mm -hmm. and it was like an old uh, Boy Scout campground that you can go to and it's basically the only Angeles is mostly like scrub brush it's one of the few places that has big tall pines which mm-hmm. is what we needed for this sketch and so we went down we were shooting at this camp and it was just as the sun was going down we had our last shot in the can and we were all just kind of standing like looking at the sunset over this pine valley mm-hmm. and it's beautiful southern california sunset and uh we heard on one side of the canyon just a fucking coyote just go Ooh. <laughs> and like it kind of you know i was like Oh, that's a coyote. And a split second later, we heard from the other side of the canyon about 30 coyotes go back at it. And that is what I was talking about. We're just like it cut straight through the roman empire right. the mesopotamians <laughs> the the fucking kennedy administration all of the the things that human greatness is ascribed to just and the just the weak
0: squirrel inside jung- of you jungle
1: baby just <laughs> we got to go <laughs> comedy is not as important as being eaten by fucking wild dogs Peace. yeah so I, uh, I i yeah but anyway uh, all that is to say griffith park man uh, if you're <laughs> in los angeles and you're looking for 4600 acres of just incredible wilderness and it's wild too it's five times the size of central park in it's new york incredible it's absolutely huge there's there's many places to get to you know take a walk to get lost and bring a friend because you want the buddy system because there's like <laughs> fucking mountain lions and coyotes and foxes and deer rabbits what all, like i don't know i've seen i've seen there's, all kinds of stuff
0: i've seen i've seen some insane ass like I don't know if they're owls, but they're just night birds. Uh, uh, oh,
1: God, the owls, man. Yeah. Yeah, if you're there at night, you'll hear them, like, in the church. Tr- that's another one that's that's a creepy sound, too.
0: Oh, it's... Griffith Park is one of my favorite creepy, majestic places. Yes. And there isn't really anything like it so I highly recommend if you ever get a chance please check that out
1: oh I I, this this is the last thing I want to say about it It, so in addition to having all the weird animals Mm -hmm. uh, one morning uh, I went to Griffith Park and I was driving with the windows down I was coming up past the Greek theater which by the way there's a big amphitheater called the Greek theater uh, which was originally built to you know have plays by Shakespeare and Sophocles and now is where you go to see who's left alive in the band Foreigner you know (laughs) (laughs) they have like concerts and stuff there but but uh, I was driving past the Greek theater and there was a, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, there's a, a pride of lions. There's a murder of crows. I don't know what you call a group of teenage bagpipers. But there was a bunch of teenagers standing in the middle of a field just. <laughs> and I was so angry at their parents. I was like, there is no child. Let them do
0: this in your garage.
1: Well, not just that. I was like, there's no child on earth. Where their friend's like, hey, do you want to play this weekend? And the kid's like, no, I can't.
0: I got mom's, a bagpipe. Mom's
1: making me play a cop's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I saw some teen bagpipers in Griffith Park. So you never know. You might find a head. You might find a mountain lion. Teenage bagpipers or a surfing California Spaniard. <laughs> yeah. You just never know.
0: And. With that, where can the people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Rivers Langley, and I would love it if you checked out my podcast. Uh, Vanessa has been a, a guest; she's it's on an
0: absolute blast.
1: She's on the episode called "Fiesta of Love," and uh, which is an old. <laughs> Theater in El Paso, uh, and uh, but yeah, you uh, you can check it out. The show is called "The Goods from the Woods," and uh, if you like this kind of detailed history, we just did a deep dive into the uh, alter ego of Garth Brooks, uh, Chris Gaines. Absolutely,
0: uh, listen to that episode.
1: I'm so proud of it. So if you want to learn some crazy, if you want to learn about how Garth Brooks is a maniac, uh, <laughs> check out. Please
0: check out "Goods from the Woods." Goods from the Woods. It's a phenomenal podcast. Even other than the all the like, please listen to the Chris Gaines episode. But a a phenomenal podcast uh thank you so much for being here thank
1: you so much for having me vanessa you are awesome
0: always a delight to have you on uh and with that history is fucking terrifying and i love you take a walk